to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're reviewing, surprisingly, Dwayne's pick, even though he's the only one that hasn't seen it, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> why don't we watch it, Dwayne? Well, I think that's why I picked it. I was wanting to see it so bad, and it just kept dodging me. It, it was one of those things that was always on my radar but never easily available when I had a minute to watch it. But we are watching 2010 Christopher Nolan's concept Inception. I'm still kind of baffled that this one got by you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that I'd heard, always heard about. It was always there in the background. Um, And even, you know, some jokes and memes and things, you know, about, Siri not being able to keep up with it for all the dreamy layers and you know <laughs> what's going on here what is the movie really about what's the deal with the top you know I, well, I kind of went in having an idea of some of these things but luckily I hadn't been spoiled and uh, I mean it's it was that's as, what I was getting ready to ask you cool yeah mm-hmm. uh, I, I knew I knew the ending of the movie oh. but, I, but I didn't know the implications of the ending if okay. That makes sense. okay. So I knew, I knew it had to do with the top, but I didn't understand the implications of the top. So, yeah, that was that was the thing. Okay. Well, before we dig deeper into exception, let's keep it one hundred. It's time to keep it one hundred. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. All right, Sammy, you're first out of the gate. Where you going? Are all right, so for my keeping it 100 uh, for this episode, I chose Jessica Jones Season 3. Uh, you know, when I heard that Marvel was canceling the Netflix shows, I kind of stopped watching them. But with no new content right now, I've been going back and catching up on a lot of different shows. And Jessica Jones had not been my favorite of the Marvel television shows at all. But this season was really good. Um there's such an arc dealing with that concept of brains versus brawn. Uh, it goes into the idea of, you know, what really makes a hero? What must you sacrifice in your heroic arc? And if you've watched the first couple seasons of Jessica Jones, you know that's something that she struggled with. Uh, this really was an emotional season, I think, for all of the characters. Uh with Jessica, Trish, Malcolm, all of them. So if you were like me and you didn't check out season three when it first released, go back and take a look at it. I was really surprised. So Jessica Jones season three is my keeping up 100. Awesome. Yeah, that was unfortunate timing. Like when um, when they canceled, I was like, I think three episodes into Daredevil season three. Mm-hmm. And I found out it was all canceled. I'm like, I, I've, I've got no motivation to finish it. Like I don't even finish right. Daredevil season three. Yeah, why well, even bother? I'd watched Daredevil. I didn't finish the second season of Punisher, and I had not watched season three of Jessica Jones. And so I went back and finished those. And actually, I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. So, (laughs) Season six. Well, there's no accounting for taste. Um, (laughs) So Sammy needs a hobby. (laughs) They need to get some new TV on people. COVID has to end. He's deep into S.H.I.E.L.D. One episode of Stargirl a week and one episode of Doom Patrol. I've got to have something to watch. All right. Well, Dwayne, you're up next. All righty. Well, my keeping it 100 kind of goes back a couple weeks. 
uh, we have been, with the COVID, we've been deep into the 80s here. We've been uh, digging into the DVD collection. We've been digging into Netflix has brought a ton of these great old 80s flicks back up on the screen. And um, when we reviewed Stranger Things Season 3, Robin and Steve's discussion of Back to the Future just kind of <laughs> lit that fire under me. And so I have been revisiting Michael uh, J. Fox, uh, Mr. Alex P. Keaton, Marty McFly, what have you, um, going back to the future to save his family. And I'll tell you, this movie is so much fun. It is so masterfully done. I mean, it, Crispin Glover, what a genius, you know, playing, you know, old George McFly, young George McFly, um, and, you know, dorky George McFly and cool George McFly at the end. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd just being insane. And, uh, you know, uh, Michael, Michael J. Fox just being as lovable and charming as I remember him in the 80s. Uh, you know, and uh, the the movie has just been a ton of fun for me and the family to get into. We're getting ready to tackle parts two and three uh, here pretty soon, so that's my keeping it one hundred. All right, uh, I guess I guess what won't be keeping one hundred next time. <laughs> parts two or three. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'll save that for later. <laughs> Speaking about not watching things, I've never seen seasons two or three, or I mean parts two or three. Oh, okay. Then you definitely have to let me and Sammy know how that goes. Please, <laughs> definitely. It's been a long time, but I have, I have I've, memories. Of I've those. never, I've never seen them. I've heard great things about three. I've heard okay things about two, but I've heard, I've actually heard of some people. I don't know if they're being sarcastic. Say that three is phenomenal. <laughs> Okay. I, I'm not seeing it, but I'll let you know. <laughs> I want a report. That's all. <laughs> okay. Just get, get back to us. All right. Well, Jamie, uh, you're up last, uh, but not least on our Keeping It 100. So, ready, well, set? Well, I haven't started yet, so we'll see how if it's least or not. Um, all right. So, my Keeping 100 is a podcast, of course. Um, <laughs> that's all I ever do lately is either podcasts <laughs> or conferences. <laughs> Uh, it's weird science Marvel comics, and their whole deal is they review several of the new releases each and every week. Um, they do two shows a week, and so there's the midweek show that covers the top releases of the week. And so if it was like a, a week of Captain America you know, or an Iron Man or an Avengers comic, they'll do that on the Wednesday show, whether they like it or not. They'll, they'll, they do the big releases midweek, and then on the weekends, they'll just pick some of the, like, the quirky books they like, uh, or, or that's where they put the miniseries that they're covering. Um, and <laughs> the hosts are just really entertaining and they're really objective. Like if something's garbage, I mean, they'll call it garbage. If something's not good, they'll rip it to shreds. <laughs> and, and at least one of the hosts was a lifelong DC fan who just wanted to get into Marvel. And so a lot of it is still kind of new to him. He doesn't have the background. And so like his first Wolverine was, you know, Laura Kennedy X-23. <laughs> and he thinks Logan's kind of weird kind of thing. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's funny the different perspectives. And, and I love that they're just not shilling for Marvel, that they'll call a spade a spade. And, and the guys are, it's just, it's a good time. The episodes are a little long. They're over an hour each, each episode usually, but it, it's a good time. And I, I always laugh. And so, uh, in the time of the Rona, I recommend Weird Science Marvel Comics. 
All right. All right. Might, might be better fun than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. Those were some uh, some fun recommendations, but, you know, we're, we're not here to talk about other things. We're here to talk about Inception. We're here to talk about the dream world. Now, Jamie, you got to go last on Keeping One Hurt, so you get to keep talking and go first with our opening thoughts and grades. Okay, I didn't do that on purpose, by the way. We normally rotate that differently. <laughs> it wasn't cheating for my benefit. <laughs> um, uh, no, um, see, I'm afraid I'm not objective on this. I was, I was, I was bragging on the weird science guys for being objective. I'm not sure I'm objective on, on this movie. Um, I'm going A plus. Uh, this movie is visually striking. It's well acted. The plot is gripping. The pacing is incredible. I mean. Uh, it passes the cell phone test with flying colors. I mean, I never take my eyes off the screen. Um, I recommend this highly. I know the run. I know you look at the, if you if you haven't seen this movie before and you look at the runtime. I mean, it's a Nolan movie. It's a little long. It's intimidating. But, yeah, but it doesn't feel long. No, I, I've never felt watching the Inception. I've never felt like it's a long movie. Um, so, I mean, some of his movies do feel that way. I mean, Dark Knight's got like four endings. Um, <laughs> Inception's got one and it feels like it comes at the right time uh, it's just it's just the movie is so involving um, your, your brain's involved your, there's emotional involvement it just it keeps me so plugged in that it doesn't feel long and so this is this is an A plus movie for me even though it's got DiCaprio in it <laughs> <laughs> alright so I guess I'm next up with this um, you know Inception really is an amazing movie. You know, I think starting with the cast and, and man, to put this in a way that I know Jamie will appreciate, this is a deep bench when it comes to cast. You know, <laughs> there are a lot of people in this movie and they are all fantastic. You know, Christopher Nolan really came on my radar because of the Batman movies, you know, and that's when I really started paying attention. But this was the movie that showed me what he could do when he was developing his own ideas. And it just, it really blew me away. Um, you know, I think Nolan, whatever movie genre he's doing, he takes it and then makes his own little tweak because he wants to engage the audience. He doesn't want you on your cell phone. You know, he wants you paying attention. And this movie deals with so many multiple levels I mean, dreams, what is reality? What's the importance of an idea? All this is woven into to a blockbuster movie, not a small little independent film that we would expect this stuff being dealt with, but mm -hmm. a big budget blockbuster. So maybe I, I, I kind of gave away my grade there, but this is an A plus for me. So I agree with Jamie, A plus. All right. Dwayne, do we have a ring of honor? Well, I'm last up here with the grade, <laughs> and uh, even though I've shaved my hipster goatee, um, you guys have alluded to quite a few things. Um, it's a phenomenal concept of, of, of an idea. What does all this stuff mean? The impact that this movie has had on pop culture, you know, I, I'd mentioned before, I hadn't seen this movie. So I've kind of got all of these little things happening 
oh, I realized that from this movie or this from th- that movie. You know, the the impact that it had is so far reaching. And I know it's been talked about how you know Doctor Strange is kind of like you know Inception. You know, I don't think that movie could have done the effects that it done without Inception or without the bending of reality, without the you know the, those effects already being developed a little, a little bit ahead of time by Nolan. You know, Nolan come on my radar with the Prestige. Um, love that movie, and this one does not disappoint. So, I'm going A plus two. Oh, all right. <laughs> I you were Duke moving us. <laughs> all right, he gave us the uh, head yeah, fake, this... and then he uh, sank the shot anyway. There you go. Yeah, this is an A plus, and I know I still have a lot of proximity to this movie just watching it here within the last week for the first time. But you know, it delivers. You know, you talk about the run, the runtime is intimidating. You see the runtime, you're like, oh wow, this is going to be a heck of a watch. You know, and having a very busy schedule, three kids and a full time job, a lot of time my movie watching comes as I'm laying my head on my pillow, winding down at night. I stayed up late with this bad boy. <laughs> I, I, I didn't put I didn't put my screen down. And 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 you know revisit it the next night. Um, I didn't check my clock to say, oh man, it's gonna suck getting up in the morning. You know, <laughs> I, I I watched it through to the end and was like, wow, this movie is just you know masterfully told. It's just masterfully told. All right, I'm pleased. It's been a while since we've added to the ring water. Yep. It has. It's been a bit. Yeah. Well, well, I think our last one was Quiet Place. I think so. Yeah. So, I'm pretty all sure. right. We have a new entry. All right. Well, then I think we're set to gush in the fan section. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, Sam, you're first. What's your what's your fan for Inception? All right, I think my fan for this movie is I love that this Inception has the bones of a heist movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. This is Nolan's twist on the heist. I mean, look at the roles: the architect, the forger, the chemist, the extractor. I mean, these are roles parts that you could have in Ocean's Eleven or the Italian job, and you would accept it. But instead of taking something out, they're planting something. They're taking something in. And I just think that's such a just an interesting and weird twist to, like I said, this heist movie. You know, and then along with the heist movie, we also get those other layers, those other movie genres. We get the spy movie. Feels like a little bond going on. We get the mob movie. You know, we get those as the layers go down. And so this this movie, even though it starts with a heist, you get so much. And I think that's what makes it fulfilling. Uh, I think this is Nolan at his most meta uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to movie making. So that's my big fan, I think. Uh, Dwayne? Yeah, I couldn't uh, decide whether I wanted to talk about the dream police or the dream thieves, you know, in this movie, <laughs> how, how that worked out, you know, like Sam was saying, the concept, you know, it was just such a neat idea of going into this subconscious, um, the, the matter of time, you know, reality, what's real, 
uh, all of that, you know, is so heady. It's so out there. But I'll tell you what really struck it out of the park is you couldn't have told this story, delivered the information that, that had to be delivered, you know, how things work mechanically, you know, how these devices that they attach themselves together, you know, the jolts, the, the, uh, you know, the measuring of the time, entering the music into the different characters so that they could measure things out, um, you know, all of that. But I don't think that could have happened without this cast. Uh, you know, you have, like you said, you, know, you have Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, Ellen Page, Michael Caine, I mean, Killian Murphy. Watanabe's great, you think? Yeah, too? Ken Watanabe. Yep. I was looking, I was actually looking for him. I mean, yeah. Pete, Pete Postlewaite. I love that man. And even though he's just in a bed dying in this movie, I love anything that I've ever seen him in. You know, he's just one of those small little character actors that's always great and sells it in what he is. But this cast, you know, uh, Marion Cotillard, you know, Ellen Page, they all deliver. They all just own their roles and make them, you know, they and they're able to tell the story and give you the information that you need so that you're not lost because this is a really crazy heady concept you know going into the dreams and in the layers of dreams and and you know your uh, realities it's really really uh, these guys you know told it masterfully i, I think i think no, one of nolan's strengths as a director is he brings the best out of his actors mm-hmm. um, we know and you're talking about cast i mean they even slid in tom berenger you know i mean yeah. they even slid the tom berenger in here and, and nobody but Nolan would get Michael Caine and just make him a cameo, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, he yeah, didn't even have a big part for a minute. Plot. Yeah. I mean, that, only Christopher Nolan could do that. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm last on the fan section, and I'm glad I made uh, gave myself three options because <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> took a couple of mine off the board. Um, I'm going to go with the ending. Um, I love that the ending leaves you thinking because a lot of movies are just fun rides and then they're over. You don't think about them ever again. Um, like Bloodshot. You know, I had a good time with Bloodshot. I hadn't thought about it until I realized I'd purchased it and it was still on my Amazon like list of movies when I, when I bought Inception <laughs> to, to watch on my tablet this time. <laughs> no, it's just, but Inception's not like that. You finish this movie and you're, you're still thinking about the ending. Um, you're thinking about whether he made it home or not, if he's still dreaming. Uh, and there are clues that lean in both directions. There's things you could take and really make strong arguments either way. Um, I think the fact that Cobb sees the faces of his children at the end, to me, that's like, like, that's like the clincher. You know, he actually saw their faces. That means he made it home. The, th- the, little, the little top wobbles a little bit, you know, so it's probably going to fall, right? So, he, so he's home. He's in the real world. Or he wakes up on that beach. How did he get there? That's the things that happens in dream worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Um because he's dreaming now. He's not in anybody else's dream. You know, all this kind of stuff, there's things, you know, we could go through. The fact that Michael Caine's at that airport. He doesn't live in America, right? He, when, when Cobb met him the first time, they were in Europe, mm-hmm. at, at a European country. How did Michael mm-hmm. Caine get in America? Why was he there? That's dream logic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's all these different directions you could go, arguments you could make. And I just love that he leaves us thinking. He leaves us talking. He leaves us pondering. Even just the ending about whether the thing, whether the resolution resolved or not, and we still like the movie. Um, that's an incredible accomplishment for the for an ending. So, yeah. so the ending is my thing. Okay. Yeah, it's very, very 
ambiguous. It yeah. leaves. It <laughs> makes you think. It makes you think. Mm-hmm. We know. Are the pans really <laughs> in the kitchen? <laughs> Are they really real? Let's go see. All right, Dwayne, you're first out of the gate. Now we all gave it A pluses, but no, no movie is truly flawless. And so let's let's maybe we may have to nitpick this time, but let's let's talk about some pans. So Dwayne, what's your what's your pan? Well, mine is completely a nit that I've picked. So uh, yeah, there, like I've already mentioned about the storytelling, you know, the effects, the actors, so great. But there's so much going on for a casual watch. For someone who's not really into watching movies and thinking about them, you can get a little lost real quick and very confused. Um, I, I even caught myself a, a couple times, you know, having to. Okay, they're here. Okay, he's there. They're there. Okay, this is okay. These are for the okay. Okay, they're this many levels down. Okay. And then they change something in the dream, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so it, it can get a little uh, diluted. It can get a little, um, you know, lost in, in your trail down into this, uh, you know, world of dreams. But really, that's about my only pan. Um, you know, I, I've, I've got family uh, and friends I would love to share this movie with, but I know that I will never be able to share this movie with them because <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're a casual watcher. You know, they're a casual watcher. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to, you know, draw them in, uh, so to speak. So that's that's my biggest pain is yeah, yeah. you can get real lost real fast if you're not paying attention. There is no casual watch of Inception that's fun. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, my, I've got two tiny little nitpicks, uh, but there, there's one that annoys me more than the other. So, um, so they're, they're very clear when they set things up that the deeper you go down, the more the time gets decompressed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they stick with that, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes things are all happening at the same rate of the, on the different levels, and sometimes it's not, and they're a little inconsistent with it, and. It bugs me a little because they're asking you to pay attention super closely. And when you pay attention super closely, sometimes you notice things are happening simultaneously in the same time frames on the different levels, and it shouldn't work that way. Um, and it just kind of like, oh, just a little, a little more effort, and you could have gotten that perfectly. And mm-hmm. so it's just, a, it's just a little neat pick. It's just, it bugs me a little bit when they when they don't they're not consistent with the time. Yeah. You know? That's it. Okay. I mean, it's, it's a nitpick, and I'm being a jerk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's in, like you said. There's not a lot. There's not a lot to to drag out on here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm in that boat also as far as my pan, and mine's similar to what Dwayne had talked about. You know, I love this movie. You know, but there's a lot of movies I love that are, they're like comfort food that I could just turn on and I can listen to. This is I love this movie, but this isn't a comfort food movie. This is not this is that movie. this is a heavy, heady movie that you have to be concentrating fully on. You know, I found myself even having to pause the movie. Pause. Okay, let's think about this for a minute. All right, what's he saying here? You know, okay, back, start again. Pause. Huh? You know? <laughs> 
So this isn't, you know, and like I said, I love it, but there is no subtlety to this movie. This is not play in the background while I, you know, clean house or, you know, organize yeah. comic books. This is, this is, a, I've got to sit, I've got to pay attention because it's worth the ride, but it's just, it's, it's a heady movie and it can get confusing in some places. I think if you're not paying attention. Yeah. 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 When, I, when I want, great. I, I was going to say, when I want challenge my movie, I watch a Nova movie. When I want a comfort food movie, I go to Edgar Wright. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I was yeah. I was just thinking like, yeah, this is something you really have to, you know, pay the price of admission to enjoy. You know, whereas you know, if you just want something pretty to look at, you can put in Thor Ragnarok or you Hot Fuzz or Hot Fuzz. You know, you know, one of those. Um, speaking of getting lost, speaking of getting lost, did anybody else when they are, you know planting the idea and they're going down the multiple levels and they're in like you know three or four deep <clears throat> and the van is coming off the bridge and falling toward the water did anybody else did either of you two forget that that was the first layer of the dream i completely <laughs> forgot about them being on the plane <laughs> until they woke up <laughs> <laughs> well, well, see, that, I, I see how you can do that though, because they keep flashing in between the different levels. They never flash back to the plane if they, they wake up fine. Never flash back yeah. to the plane, and there's yeah. so much going on. I completely lost track of the plane until they wake up in first class, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, there, there's where we are." <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, y'all want to give us some awards? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. his best performance and I, I get to go first and um i suspect i'm gonna be the only one that says this one um i love joseph gordon, gordon levin this joseph gordon levin this movie if i can say his name correctly he's got three names i'm about to get one wrong uh, <laughs> he's perfect for this role and this movie needs this role to be filled well they need sort of that voice of reason on the team they need the friend but also the friend who's going to push back on him a little bit but also he's the friend you know even when his friends are something stupid he's going to be there for him um he needs to be the brake straining against DiCaprio's accelerator and I just think he nails this role perfectly and I wouldn't have expected this but he, he and DiCaprio are really good together they complement each other really well in their performance I wouldn't have anticipated that and it's not just because I don't like DiCaprio um but it's, but it's a, it's a subtle performance and a movie without a lot of subtle performances. Um, he, he's the, the most of the bunch and he's not being flashy. He's nothing loud about what he's doing. Um, but it's natural. He's the most believable of the bunch. He feels the most like a regular person than the rest of the cast. And so I just, I, I really love that, that the role he's playing here and he just, he nails it. All right. So Jamie, I agree with you completely. <laughs> That is exactly who I chose for my best performance. I think that, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Arthur is the anchor. He's what this group needed. He's calm. He's composed. As crazy as everything gets, he keeps it kind of together, right? He's smooth, man. I like that part, right? And, and even though he's doing all this, he still did all those physical stunts, you know, I mean, he trained 12 weeks just to do the hallway scene, and it took four days to film it, okay, just to film that scene. So, but 
I just I love that character. I thought he did such a great job with it. So so Dwayne's looking at us like, are we looking at the same characters? <laughs> Dwayne, yeah, I, what about you? I, I must have missed uh, his entire performance. <laughs> um, I, I am a Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. Um, I, I'm more of a fan than, than some people. I've heard him referred to at times as a human vanilla. You know, he's just oh, he's, just, <laughs> he's he's great in roles, but he really doesn't bring a lot to them. And sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. Now, in this movie, I felt he got kind of lost in the cast. And even though he pushed back to DiCaprio, he was always, to me, that puppy trailing along. Even though he might not agree, and even though he he did buck on him a few times, he was always tagging right along. Um, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction to someone who did confront DiCaprio a few times. A relative newcomer to the and even to dreamscape, uh, you know, the, the incursions there and the creation of the world. But uh, I thought Ellen Page's uh, Arianda was probably one of the most, sub, you know, and like you said, a subtle performance. I thought her performance was pretty subtle and still really weighty in, in what she brought to the crew, where she was confronting him about his relationship, what she had saw with Mal, how it was affecting him, how it was affecting the uh, jobs they were doing. You know, he had this monkey on his back that he would always bring into the dreams. It was affecting the crew. Joseph Gordon-Levitt had encountered this, but he still tags along and he still goes along and he never really... Truly, I felt confronting him as as strongly as Ellen Page's character did. So I think she carried a lot of weight uh, as a performance. I thought she done really, really great. Okay, I agree. I, uh, I she agree. Did, she did I do. Job. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that was kind of like the subtle thing I was uh, jabbing at earlier: is that Nolan brings the best out of people. I think Ellen Page is frequently that human vanilla you were talking about earlier. I, I mean. <laughs> I'm I'm frequently unimpressed with her. Like she's never bad in a movie. But right. She never really impressed me, but she was really good in this movie. Well, see, and that's that's the thing. That's why I brought her up to best performance because I've enjoyed her. I'm like you. I've enjoyed her in everything I've seen her, and she's always done. She's always done good. But she's just only always done good. This one, I thought she was touching on some of that greatness that she may have the potential of. Okay. I know that nobody said DiCaprio. I just, he, gets, <laughs> he gets on my nerves, man. I know he, he gives off kind of a tool vibe, but also there's never a moment where you're not watching him like performing. He's always yeah. really acting really hard. And it's just. Yeah, he's, a little, I, he's a little intense. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah and there, there's never a natural moment with him on screen. And so I, I, I find the acting style a little off-putting. And so it's to see, like, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt or Ellen Page next to him giving a more natural performance, mm-hmm. I think it makes them shine even more. Even more. Even more. Truth. 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 You, you know, and, and just to kind of keep on Ellen Page for a minute, you know, and she really, a lot of times she plays almost like this hipster, you know, kind of uninterested character. You know, if you, it, I think the first time I saw her was in Juno. Mm-hmm. Uh was was really the breakout role for me that I've kind of noticed her. And she was just almost like this detached kind of, like I said, hipster vibe type of yeah. person. Um, and even in Umbrella Academy, I think she, she kind of plays that some, but this She's was a jaded different adolescent jaded adult. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this was different. This, this came across. So, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, our next award is best scene. And Sammy, you get the privilege of saying what I bet we're all going to agree with. All right. Well, I don't know if we will because I'm going to take uh, off right there from Ellen Page. And I'm going to talk about the scene where she first enters the dreamscape. Well, you're allowed and, to be wrong. Go ahead. And immediately she starts to reconfigure it. And I love how the cityscape starts to fold upon itself. And it's almost like it becomes this enclosed cube. And I just think it's such a cool, cool look, a cool visual effect. You know, we've seen people climb on walls and walk on ceilings for for years, right? I mean, Michael Jackson's done it. You know, everybody else has done it. But this looks so cool and this looks so awesome. Um, you know, so that was that was my, my best scene. So... Mm. Well, <laughs> well there, are, know, there aren't bad scenes in this movie, but that's yeah, not the right answer. There's not, a, there's not a lot of bad scenes. Uh, you know, Sammy, oh, what a feeling when I'm dancing on the ceiling. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to maybe go a little bit of a different route, I think, than what Jamie's thinking, too. There are, are phenomenal scenes in here. But the scene that got me the most, and Jamie's already referred to it, is the ending scene with the top. When he sits that top on the table, starts spinning, the kids turn around, he walks off, it goes back to the top, and the top's still going, then it wobbles just a little bit, but it's still going, and then the credits start. And I was watching the credits thinking, oh, there's got to be an after credit scene, there's got to be an after, there's got to be a mid credit scene, and but I still love the movie, and that yeah. is that is the scene that really, you know, of all of the visuals, of all of the collapsing cities of all of the gunfights of all of the wild things that happen the details that's put in here uh, that grabbed me the most is that top at the end well i i, I love the oh you're wrong but um but <laughs> I, I i i do love that it's a it's kind of a subtle thing but like normally they they all watch those things intensely they're to they're totems they totems, watch yeah. them mm -hmm. if you'll notice i think maul's idea got in his head because mm -hmm. he doesn't wait to see. Whatever this reality is, he's embracing it. Because he right. sets it spinning and walks away. So well, as he much doesn't of even an care if it's real anymore. Yeah, as much of an inception, you know, as much of that idea, as that concept that they planted in Killian Murphy, as much as he planted in Mal, this is as much about it being implanted in him as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Okay, the right answer is the hotel fight scene. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you guys. <laughs> Your, your your dude cards are getting demerits. Uh, that thing is so... It's just one of the greatest fight scenes ever. I mean, the way things flipping around, they're getting tossed around like crazy. They're fighting ceilings on walls. It's flipping in the middle of punches. I mean, just the whole thing. It's thrilling. It's intense. And even though Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks like he weighs about 112 pounds, I mean, it just looks like a just really bad... Tough fight scene. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen Talladega Nights, but when but when I was watching this, I kept thinking about the little kid saying, I'm coming at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> that's, that's what I was in picture the whole time. I mean, this is better than any, any of the Marvel hallway fights. I mean, it's just, it's a whole other level. And not just, not a dream level either. It's just a whole other, like, you know, they leveled up the fight scenes, so. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That may come up later. <laughs> all right. Well, Dwayne, you get to go first on base character. Well, of all the characters in this movie, I'm going with Mal. 
she's always the foil. She's always there in the back of the scene. She's always messing up the dreams. Uh, Marion Cotillard uh, plays her, gosh, the weight she she brings, the emotion, you know, when she's, you know, torn between reality and the dream, and she's so confused, and then she's this rage, and then this calm. She, I mean, what what a character she had, yeah, and and how it impacted the whole of the movie, you know. I almost went with her for best performance. Uh, she was she portrayed the the confusion, the the, the that internal tension so powerfully. And she was yeah. a great character. But I went for my best character. I went with Ariadne. Um, she's yeah. such an interesting combination of attitudes and actions. There's times she's trying to be cautious. When she finds out what they're doing, she walks away. But she can't stay away. She got in to the dream world and she had to come back. Um, she's trying to be cautious at times, do things safely to hold Cobb back. But that she's the one that wants to go one level, one more level down. I mean, she's when it's time for things to get to, to throw down, she's down, you know, and and she's she's just she's more subtle about it, but she's just as hooked on this stuff as Cobb is. Mm-hmm. And there's probably an unfilmed sequel about how this went, you know, badly in her life. <laughs> it would be the next two and a half hour movie. Um, I, I just she's such an interesting character. The combination of things that she is in, in this movie is is just intriguing. Very true. All right. You know, I chose a different character, though, that I also felt had an interesting collection of character traits. And that was the forger, Mr. Eames, Tom Hardy. (laughs) You could understand him in this movie. No, but uh, (laughs) you can see his face the whole time. Completely and totally. I just thought he was such an interesting character and he was like half super spy, half flamboyant dandy. I mean, he was just this, this weird character and, and I'm sorry, people can talk all they want. Tom Hardy needs to be the next James Bond. Just the snow scene enough proved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that was his screen test. Get that man suited up. And get Daniel Craig out. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, I've got I've got a question about Tom Hardy in this movie, though. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's a small thing that bugs me. I wonder if there's like a because no one doesn't do things by accident. He's got a different level of stubble for each dream level they go on, <laughs> and I, I, that seems like it has to be on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why. Because everybody else, the hair stays consistent. Like the everything mm-hmm. stays consistent. The Ellen Page's makeup stays the same. But Tom Hardy's face, like the level of stubble, is different every well, time. I, I honestly <laughs> believe that it's because he is the forger, and you know. And initially, you're thinking, oh, well, he's just going to make the documents, or he's just going to get these connections done. But you know, he actually takes on, Im- you know, a physical image or a mental image of someone. You know, he actually mm-hmm. you know, takes on their their actions. And I think that as as he's in each different level of dreaming, it's different shades of his personality. He's, you know, different different parts of him. You know, he's such a rich character. You know, that's probably reaching, but you know, it, it could explain your your stubble issue. Well well, I guess it depends. <laughs> At which level did he have more stubble? 
because if he had more stubble on the third level, it takes longer at that level, remember? So it's it has longer to grow. So that way at the second level, it's a little shorter at the first no. level. <laughs> no. See, in, in the van, he, he's got a little bit of stubble. Right. On the second level, first level, he's got a ton of stubble. On the third level, he's almost clean shaven. <laughs> I was paying super close attention. I, there has to be a reason. I'm just not. I'm not quite sure what it is. And I'm well, wondering Jamie, if I can... you're not wrong there with Tom Hardy's succulent lips and beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not covered over with the Bane mask or an aviator <laughs> or you know a Mad Max cage. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, Nolan doesn't do things accidentally, and there's nothing in this movie, especially. Oh, this yeah. it's an accident. So I just, I just, I can't figure out why. I was just curious if y'all had a theory. Hmm. I, I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> now I won't be able to unnotice it next time I watch it. So. <sighs> All right. Well, our next award is best character, uh, not best character, best quote. Uh, and I get to go first. And I really struggled with this one. Um, this movie is really exposition heavy. And you don't want to just pull out exposition for your best quote. Um, but I went with uh, when Carl was explaining how ideas work in the dream world. And he says, an idea is like a virus, resilient, highly contagious. And even the smallest seed of an idea can grow. It can grow to define you or destroy you. And I just thought that, you know, it's an interesting thing to really think about mm -hmm. the way ideas work and the way ideas can impact a whole life. And we don't, we don't always think about them that way. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was an intriguing little quote. So, yeah. I like that one. Okay. Um, you know, Jamie, you chose that deep, meaningful quote, right? And there were a lot of those because, like I said, this is a heady movie. But there was just something about Tom Hardy's Mr. Ames that I loved. And when they're in the middle of that gunfight at the warehouse and they're firing the gun and Eames comes up and goes, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling, and pulls out the <laughs> rocket launcher. <laughs> That was, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when this being my first watch through of the movie, um, there was so many great expositional quotes, like Jamie said. But immediately when I seen it, one quote stuck to me. And I said, there's my quote right there. And Sam just said it. I didn't even bother picking <laughs> a second one. I didn't even bother picking a second quote in case somebody said it. I thought for sure I was going to be the only one with, that, with all of the others. So when Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Arthur, is standing there with a gun, and he comes up with this big rocket, you know, the, the handheld rocket launcher, you know, and just delivers that line, and boom, you know. It, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had turned around and said, my boomstick. <laughs> you know, that was that was just so suave and so cool. You know, that first level battle. Yeah, that's my, yeah. that was my quote too, Sam. I agree completely. But you... But you you gave me another idea when you were doing the uh, the, the accent with the quote, Sammy. I'm wondering now if with the different levels of stubble, if he's doing suddenly different British accents. There is something different with him scene to scene. Yeah. It, it, the, the accent even changes. I do agree with you. I know. Yeah. That. And I'm, I'm going to tell that's you that's consistent too. I'm going to tell you true. Every movie I've ever seen Tom Hardy in, he's never spoke the same. So I don't know what the man really sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wondering now if he's like a fully different persona at each level. 
and, and accent stubble, the whole deal. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to watch yeah. it again now. Yeah, I'll have to just well, watch, do it. Do it ease watch. Well, <laughs> is it is it the forger who has lost who he really is, and so at yeah. each level he's somebody a different version of himself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sam with the deep pull over here. Yeah. I got, <laughs> darn, I've got to watch Inception again. Uh, oh. <laughs> our, our first, our first uh, episode-specific award is up, and it's best special effect. And Sammy, you've got some options here. Yep. And I'm getting my dude card back <laughs> because my best special effect is the <laughs> hotel spinning. Foxy. <laughs> there you go. Demerit revoked. That's the reason I didn't use it up at the other, because that was just a cool special effect. Yeah. Okay? As the van is careening into the water, the gravity is changing. So we start changing the way the hotel's moving, the hallway. Joseph Gordon Levitt is playing his best Spider Man, not Robin. You know, and it's just, it's great. I mean, the fight choreography going along with those effects, it just really brings that, that special effect home and it sells it. Uh, you know, we all know they're on wires and stuff like that, but it works. And, and it's just a beautiful special effect in the middle of that movie. So, yeah. well, and well, I'm going to. So cool. Yeah, I'm going to jump in because I'm agreeing with him. I'm doubling up on the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, the, from the second that Joseph Gordon-Levitt says, how do you give a kick without gravity? <laughs> till, till, they're, till they're in the elevator shaft. And he finally, you know, he realizes how he's going to do the kick. Tied together. Yeah, and when he's rolling them up, man, it's just wild. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that whole thing. That, everything evolved there is the best special effect. Well, we oh, were going to have a triple threat because that was on mine, the zero-G fighting, but I did have a runner-up. I did have a runner-up okay. that I want to bring bring light to. But yeah, the zero-G fighting was great. But I love the changing environment. Now, you know, when Ariande is changing the, the city, like Sam was speaking about earlier, you know, she's changing the building. She's moving the streets around. She's making stuff happen. Uh, you know, and then when you go down deeper into the dream levels, you know, when you see the collapsing buildings, when you go into... Um, um, Cobb's reality, you know, down down in the was it uh, the limbo level, mm-hmm. and you know the buildings are collapsing and all of the stuff is is in is in disrepair disarray. Um, those were some of the coolest effects, you know. And like I said earlier on in 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 our discussions, you know, this was you know, Inception was the you know probably you know them realizing oh we can do Doctor Strange now. <laughs> to make this reality yeah. change as, as they do this. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, the, the changing environments, how that works well, out. Well, I, I've got a backup. I just want to mention, we don't have to dwell on it, but when they do the paradox, little little moments, mm-hmm. those are really cool. Like when yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt runs around the thing and he's behind the guy. I mean, it's just the way they do yeah. the paradox stuff. It just looks amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, last award is Best Brain Bender. Um, and there's a lot of bent brains when they want when you watch Inception. Uh, Dwayne, you get to go first. What do you got, man? Well, I think that uh, that they go so deep and that there's so many things happening, so many different interactions in the dream. We need to have maybe uh, Drew Carey behind the desk so he can figure out whose dream is it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, it's just I guess the concept of how the dreams meld, you know, and how that could really screw with your reality, as you know, 
oh, my dreams are my own. My dreams are my own personal. Well, now you're bringing in whole other persons into these dreams, and they're affecting your reality. They're affecting your subconscious. They're affecting your mind, your innermost, deepest, you know, dreams. But yeah, that's the 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 dream interactions. Uh, just the whole concept of how each individual person. You have the an architect. You have, you know, the the person's projection. You have somebody, you know, the forger. You have the, the you know, the thief. You know, somebody to identify things. It's really really neat. All right, Sammy, I've got two. Please go next. <laughs> oh, okay, not a problem. <laughs> um, I think for my best brain bender and i had to say that slow um is <laughs> is probably this idea of almost like what is reality you know reality when you think about it is it just a mental construct we use to make sense of the world around us you know and i think you know nolan makes us almost question how, how is one reality more real than another how is a, a somebody who who does like a second life thing online think about like ready player one what makes that reality any more or less important than than what we may consider reality or another would and i think that constant questioning is is really a bender for your head and you're really thinking about it you know you know, we're even left questioning at the end is is DiCaprio's character still in the dream or not? Is this his reality or the reality he chose because it's the one that fits him the best, you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, that, just that question of reality, you know, I just think it was really one that made me go, Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'm going to go with the idea of inception itself. The, the act of implanting an idea in someone mm-hmm. else. Um, that they had to hide the origin because we like with an el- like think of an elephant. What are you thinking of? It's an elephant, you know, but you knew where that came from, right? And the person can always know the origin of the idea. So they had to keep going deeper and deeper in the subconscious to implant the idea, but they had to, had to boil the idea down to its most simplistic form where it wouldn't take, or they would, or it would know it was from a uh, you know, different origin. And the way they had to keep going deeper and deeper, more and more levels down. I just found that really intriguing, the way the subconscious works and the way that ideas work in our brains and the way they get fleshed out in our lives and actions. I just I felt that was really intriguing. Um, it, was, it was an interesting take on it. Yeah. And my, okay. my other one was, was Maul, the relationship between Maul and, and Cobb. I just, I found that endlessly intriguing, the way she was haunting him. That was my other one. I just want to mention it because nobody else did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I think it was, Dealing just that with that relationship, the realization that they were in limbo for that long and and they were actually older at that moment, or were they? You just I mean it's it's just yeah. it's that constant questioning. So well, for the longest time we don't know why. Like he's clearly being haunted by her, but we don't know why. And it's just mm-hmm. intriguing all the way through. And and then and it, she got, she was, in my, is she still in limbo? Is, is there still really a mall somewhere? And is she the mall that keeps showing up? How real is this projection of her? I mean, it's just really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It's really neat. And, and, I, and, and I snuck an X-ray in, sorry. Are you <laughs> 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 Well, you know, someone that has asked us a time or two the nature of reality, the blue pill or the red pill. 
someone who has always brought our dreams to life. Dreams of world peace through music. <laughs> dreams of saving people on a bus. In the bus. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Jamie, where does this movie connect to our beloved Keanu? Well, in Keanu's defense, he didn't get on that boat. He had the good sense not to make that sequel. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. The, uh, the poor fella being featured this week has a bad habit of working on duds or flops. Uh, he worked on Will Smith's Gemini Man. Mm. He worked on Passenger, starring Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. That movie no one watched, but we all remember the previews. He worked on Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. None of the other Indiana Jones movies, just that one. Well. <laughs> what about Superman Returns? It's the only superhero movie with superhero, Superman Returns. He worked on King Arthur, the one Dwayne and I make snippy remarks about all the time. He worked on Burton's Planet of the Apes. He worked on Monkey Bone. He worked on Wild Wild West. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. This dude works in design and art departments. All these flops still look good and interesting. Nothing he's done was the problem with these movies. This is true. Even the abomination that is Burton's Planet of the Apes looks stunning. But long after that, uh, or maybe not, I'm, I'm, maybe I messed up the time frame here. But uh, back to the main point. Guy <laughs> Hendrix Diaz, or Diaz, was the production designer on Inception, which he killed it. But in 2003, he worked in the art department on The Matrix Reloaded, starring our beloved Keanu. And that is our Keanu connection. <gasps> well, that man's poor filmography, man. It was one Frederick <laughs> after another. <laughs> well, because we have poor life choices here. <laughs> well, if he did production design on Superman Returns, is that the reason we have Speedos? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but like even I mean King Dwayne loves that King Arthur movie and I can't stand it. But it, the 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 art stuff and the design stuff it all looks good. It looks amazing, yeah. Yeah, and Planet of the Apes. I mean, it's a terrible movie. It's a it's a full on abomination. But the apes look amazing. Uh, so they're not wrong. This guy's not the problem in the movies that have <laughs> been disasters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well speaking, of problems, <laughs> speaking of problems, no, that's a better that's a better transition. Go with it. Next week we will be uh, visiting our uh, news. Yeah. Uh, in the in the time of the Rona and uh, yeah. what in the world Hollywood uh, is going to do, <laughs> or not do, or not do. That's so, a lot yeah. of not doing. Next week, join us for our news episode, but. Even after that, we want to give you guys a head start on our next quest. Jamie, I believe this is your pick. Yes. Um, I picked season one of the IT crowd. And before you freak out, this is not an American TV show with 24 one-hour episodes. This is one of those little short-run BBC shows. And so the first season is only six episodes, like 20 minutes each. This whole first season is 30 minutes shorter than Inception. <laughs> 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 and it is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I, I 
Morris Moss is one of the greatest characters in all of TV. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen this show, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's a fast watch. It's a good time. You'll get caught up in a hurry. You've got two full weeks to squeeze in two hours of TV. And I, I really recommend uh, watching this thing so the jokes make sense next you know, on our next review episode. <laughs> It's not. The jokes are going to be weird. (laughs) (laughs) He means weirder than normal. That's right. That's right. So, Jamie, as we see what we can dig up, hopefully for some good news, as we prepare to delve into the IT crowd, what are we going to do till next time? We're going to wait for the kick as we keep it nerdy. Siri, what's Inception by Christopher Nolan about? Inception is about dreaming about dreaming. About dreaming about dreaming about something or other. I fell asleep.